Welcome to the Learning and Development Podcast. I'm David James from Loop, and each episode I chat with guests about what lights them up in the world of people development. In this episode, I'm welcoming back Kevin M. Yates to discuss a very important ebook he's just released called The L&D Detective Kit for Solving Impact Mysteries. But before we get into it, if you're enjoying this podcast, please do give us a five-star rating on your podcast app of choice to help others to find us. And thank you if you've done so already. Now, let's get into it. Kevin, welcome back to the Learning and Development Podcast. Hey, David, it's really good to be back. Happy to talk to you again today. Wonderful. Now, Kevin, you've recently published your ebook, L&D Detective Kit for Solving Impact Mysteries. Now, what are you hoping to achieve with this ebook and who's it for? Yeah, that's a great question, David. And, and yes, uh, it was self-published, oh, gosh, maybe a week ago hmm. or so. And, and so I'm very excited about that. And for me, David, the biggest goal that I have in sharing this body of work with the global learning and development community is supporting global training and learning development teams with an actionable strategy for how to measure the impact of our training solutions, our training programs, and all that we're doing to support people and teams in their, uh, in their performance. And so in this book, I have defined impact, David, as the extent to which training and learning is activating performance and business goals. Mm. So what I really am hoping for this book is that it helps teams, L&D teams, measure how training and learning is activating behavior and performance. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does completely. Uh, and having yeah. uh, read uh, the ebook myself already, I can see that it's a it's of huge value. And if, if I can just say to the listener right now that this isn't a theoretical book, this is, uh, if you're not aware of, uh, of Kevin's background, please look him up and see that this, this is based on, on real experience. He's run the experiments to know that this stuff works. So uh, I'm excited to, to, to lift the lid a little on, the, uh, on this ebook and, uh, and, and have conversations around some of those key themes today, Kevin. But before I do, um, you've made the decision to make this available for free. So it's, so it's no cost to download. Why is that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's an interesting question, David, because so many people have said to me, hey, Kevin, but you should have had a, a cost for this. And, and, and I've even seen some uh, comments on social media where people are saying, I would have gladly paid for this. And so maybe, maybe I missed my opportunity here, David, I don't know. But, but here's the reality. Here's the reality. Um, I did not want costs to, um, to not allow this resource to be widely available, mm -hmm. right? Even though if I had a, a minimal fee, you know, who knows what that might have prevented someone from, uh, from being able to pay, right? So I really wanted to be sure that this resource was scalable and that it was accessible. And I did not want money to be a prohibitor from people having access to this resource. So that's why I chose to, uh, to make it free. Um, and then also, David, it's, it's like my gift to the L&D community, because the L&D community, the global L&D community has, has been so good to me. Mm. <laughs> and, and so for me, it's kind of my way of giving back to the community. Mm. Well, that's, that's wonderful. It's incredibly generous of you. And for anybody who equates cost to value, I would say that certainly in this case, um, it's, um, uh, it's, it's, 
no, the, the, the fact that it's free doesn't um, diminish its value uh, one iota. Uh, and I think that not only are the, um, uh, are the descriptions and your, uh, your stories uh, incredibly valuable, you've, your tools uh, within there really bring it to life. So let's get into some Thank of you. those, Kevin. Um, you talk yeah. about impact standards as an opening frame for your book. So let's start with what are impact standards and to what extent do they need to be met? Yeah, great question. And I started the ebook with that deliberately um, and intentionally as a result of experiences I've had where I am asked to measure the impact of something, right? Mm. And so what usually happens, David, is, well, unfortunately, what usually happens is that we design, deploy, launch our training programs and our learning solutions. Mm. Um, and then they are consumed, they are utilized. And then the question is, how do we measure impact? Yeah. Mm. <laughs> so it's an afterthought. Measuring impact is an afterthought. So the reason I started the ebook with the standards is to proactively position it in a way where we can be thinking about whether or not what we're asked to measure is really designed to be measured for impact. So here's, here's what I mean by that, David. Mm -hmm. There are some training and learning solutions uh, that are designed to, let's say, create awareness, you know, and that might be like a lunch and learn. So that may be anywhere from 45 to 60 minutes. I doubt that that experience will measurably impact performance, but that's okay because it serves a different purpose, mm. right? Uh, and then we have some training and learning that may be designed to fulfill compliance requirements. And that's okay too, because there is a purpose there. But when we think about training and learning that was intentionally and purposefully designed to activate behavior, actions, performance, and business goals, then that is very different. Mm. So with the impact standards, now coming back to your question, why did I start <laughs> the book with the impact standards? Before you go down the path of trying to measure impact for something, and remember, I'm defining impact as activating behavior uh, performance, actions, and business goals, before you try to measure impact for something, I recommend using the impact standards to determine whether or not that training program or that learning solution for which you're trying to measure impact was actually designed for impact. Mm. So you don't want to put too much work into something and, and then discover at the end that it wasn't set up for impact, right? So those impact standards up front give you guidance for how to uh, set the criteria. So there are six questions there for the impact standards. And you can ask those six questions for that training program or that learning solution before you try to measure impact for it. It'll save you a lot of time mm. and a lot of headache <laughs> because you, you may find that, you know, at the front end that that training program or that learning solution was not designed for impact as we have defined it. So then that way, you know, again, you're able to uh, proactively determine whether or not it's worth the effort. Does that make sense? It does completely, Kevin. It really resonates. Um, uh, I put posts up on the, on LinkedIn just to just to keep a conversation going, which I think are, are important conversations. And some of them are around um, L&D relying on unintended consequences to validate their decision to do the stuff mm. they've done. You know, so when you mm -hmm. when you say something like, um, uh, we we might um, say that it's 
it's worth bringing people together for three days if they take one thing away uh, from this. And I, you know, I challenge that and say, no, I think that's an abundant misuse of company resources. If what you're saying yeah. is we've taken you away from your work, especially, I mean, maybe it won't be during during these times and who knows when, when the next opportunity will be to, um, to take people away from their work for three days. But we're saying that, uh, that, that it'll be worth your while. And then people reply back and say, yeah, but it's not just about what we've got them there for that's important. Other important stuff happens. And I go, no, you're, 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 <laughs> what you're saying there is that the fact that we've just brought people together, despite us paying facilitator costs and venue costs and the cost of taking them away, the fact that they've had a conversation around the water cooler is sufficient enough. And I think that this is just such a terrible way to think about um, what could yeah. be and should be such a critical function in the success of any given organization and especially during these periods uh, where nearly everybody's expected to adapt to, to what's going on in the world uh, and whether that's um, adapting because there are restrictions placed within their workplace or because of um, changing consumer expectations. But we've all got to adapt. So who's better place to do this than learning and development? But if all we're talking about is providing more water cooler movement, uh, uh, moments just in case there's a good conversation, I just think we're diminishing our value to such an extent. David, you are so spot on. Um, and, and the connection to what you just talked about to the to the ebook mm. is all about purpose and intention right because i think that that's what you're speaking to there needs to be purpose and intention with all that we do mm. um in our work as lnd practitioners and so in, in the book david i'm focusing on how we build training and learning solutions with purpose and intention mm. And then to take that a step further, the book focuses on how do we measure the extent to which we have fulfilled purpose mm. and fulfilled intention. So I think that you're spot on when you say that we have to we have to add value. Uh, we need to be a bit more purposeful with how we add value, and we need to be thinking about uh, the investment that people are making, uh, not only in their development but in their time as well. Yeah. And you use this, uh, this, this lovely phrase that I pulled from your ebook. It says, the most prevalent challenge for impact investigations is not uncovering impact expectations before the learning solution is deployed. Now, when I think about my time uh, in-house and I think of um, uh, one particular situation where a very senior stakeholder said to me, um, I'd like you to run presentation skills for everyone in my area. I mean, it was one of the biggest parts of the business. And so, you know, you're thinking now instinctively, I know this is wrong. So you just look, you scratch to uncover a little bit further and you'll say, um, okay, so what problem are you seeing here? And, you know, first, and first of all, you've got to get past the emotion sometimes. And because you are having a conversation mm -hmm. with somebody that they did not expect, I think they were looking for the answer, yes, sir, when would you like it delivered? But you've got to scratch to <laughs> ask because you know it's wrong. And you say, okay, so what is it that you're seeing? And then you say, well, this group of people, when they were presenting to suppliers or um, these, these third parties coming into the organization, there was no standard process. So I'm going, okay, so it was more about a standard, like a, a standard way of doing this. And he said, no, 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 not quite. We, we needed a template to, and you know, so when we're going further down, this, this was almost down to the level of a standard template 
that's that if then those third parties knew that there was this joined up approach across the different function now it was it wasn't just the template there was an element of pitching but imagine saying yes to the presentation skills at the outset just because you had a presentation skills program and then you're not actually talking about the impact that you want to be making based on on actual observations and look there, there was a great deal of preference in that kevin as much as it was around business need but mm -hmm. is that what you're talking mm -hmm. about is that an example of what you're talking about well that's a perfect example and, and i don't know if if you just made this next point easier for me on purpose david but you know in the book i have the impact opportunity interview mm. and so there are nine questions that we can ask of business partners and stakeholders when they make the request for training. Yeah. You know, very similar to, to what you just talked about where what you did, David, was dive a little deeper mm. so that you could discover what the real business opportunity is or what the real business problem is, right? That's the way in which you did that was, was best practice. It was classic, mm. right? Because you were able to get at the root of what your requester was really asking for. And so in the in the ebook, um, there are nine questions that I have positioned that we can ask business partners and stakeholders when they and I'm using air quotes when they request training. Mm. And, and so what those nine questions do, David, um, is focus on business goals, the context within which uh, those business goals are set. Um, the questions also focus on performance requirements to achieve those goals. Um, it helps you discover the difference between where performance is and where it needs to be to achieve those business goals. You know, it, it focuses on all the inputs to achieving the business goals and all the activators for human performance. Mm. So to your point, you know, a little bit of conversation can go a long way. Um, it can be the difference between spending hundreds of thousands of dollars and investing thousands of hours in development time. Mm versus what the real solution is. So it, it can make the difference between the right investment and the wrong investment. And it's just a matter of having the right conversation. And so I believe that the impact uh, opportunity interview with those nine questions help you ask the right questions. Mm. And so it'd be good to, to bring that to, to life, Kevin, because the approach that I took and the, uh, the presentation skills request, uh, I think was born from my frustration and just knowing that it was wrong. So, to, so digging, digging to uncover but it was all instinctive there wasn't there wasn't a method uh, particularly behind that but so could you give us an example of how the um impact opportunity interview could work say if i i invited you uh, for a conversation as a stakeholder in your organization and asked for some training for my team yeah great question and so if if you come to me right with that request mm -hmm. <laughs> for training um, and, and let's just say uh, your quest is we need training for uh, communication skills, mm. right? And, and so then my follow-up to that would be, that's awesome. That's great. You know, I'm, I'm happy to hear that you, you have some, some interest in um, investing in your employees' development. Talk to me a little bit more about a business goal, right? So if, if you believe that your employees need communication skills, talk to me about a business goal that being better communicators would help mm. right so then so that's you know that's that first question and then i would follow up that to say well you know talk to me a little bit more about um, the need for that communication skill what, what what's the context relative to the business goal is there um, an opportunity that we want to pursue 
uh, as a business? Is there a problem that we're trying to solve, right? And then I would follow that up by saying, well, talk to me a little bit more about the specific performance requirements that will help people achieve that business goal relative to communication. So I would then ask, can you describe a little bit more, dive a little bit deeper? What does communication look like as, as you are describing it or as you're thinking about it? Um, and then I would follow that up, David, to say, compare and contrast where people are today with their communication skills and their communication capability to where you believe they need to be in order to achieve the business goal that we've just talked about. And then I would follow that up to say, well, as we think about these communication skills and that business goal that we just talked about, uh, let's be thinking about all the things that contribute to people performing in a way using those communication and capability skills that we just that we that we're talking about right now, right? So, in addition to maybe training and learning because we don't know that yet, but in addition to that, what are all the contributors to communication uh, as you see it, right? And so we may be then thinking about well, how does a manager support an employee's uh, communication capability? Uh, what are some rewards and recognition that may contribute to the way in which we need people to communicate? And then I will follow that up by saying, let's let's be thinking about performance as it relates to communication, that communication um, need that you just identified. Uh, let's be thinking about how we would uh, measure that, right? So if people are communicating in a way that helps them achieve the business goal that you just described, uh, how would we measure that? What is the evidence that people are communicating in a way that helps the business be successful? So that's just a quick snapshot, David, mm -hmm. of the impact opportunity interview um, and how I would use those questions to really get at the root of the business problem um, or opportunity, but also the performance requirement. Um, and then if you notice, David, in that conversation that I just did in about a minute or 90 seconds, mm -hmm. <laughs> I didn't talk about training yeah. at all. D did you notice that? Yeah, right? yeah. And that's intentional. About, yeah, you're not talking about the solution. You're still uncovering what the what the issues are. That, that's exactly it. Mm. And so the impact opportunity interview and those nine questions are really focused on discovery. Mm. So when you when you get that information back, uh, what you can do is, is go off and evaluate the results of that conversation. Um, and when you evaluate the results of that conversation, you're going to come to two conclusions. Um, either what the the business problem is or the business opportunity is, it's going to be, uh, or rather will require a training or a learning solution, or it won't. Mm. But either way, as a result of that discovery-based conversation, you have the information you need to support that business partner or that, um, that, that business stakeholder to say, based on our conversation, here's what I've discovered. Mm. Um, we can support you with one of our training programs or our learning solutions. Or it turns out that what you talked about um, is really not a training solution. But but here's what it is, and and let's talk about how I can support you that way. And I'd like to come does, back. Does that make sense? It does, Kevin. I'd like to come back to um, to what the the potential solution could be uh, in a moment. But I'd like to play devil's advocate with you because I'm sure that there's a um, there's a listener here who who thinks that the traditional way here, and perhaps the the way that that we accept. Um, our responsibility or our role in learning and development wouldn't necessarily be to drill down to the specifics, but would to be to develop a broader solution that helps to 
address some anticipated and not anticipated needs around communication. That if we had people together for two days, then we could explore a vast number of different communication areas that the, the, the individual would be able to pick the one or two things that they think would be more appropriate to their solution. Now, we've already discussed this uh, earlier on with, uh, with the, if you take away one thing and having people experience this for, for two days, but you can, you can see the natural uh, um, uh, response could be much more around the educational and immersive um, uh, training experience that we're, that we're used to. Mm-hmm. And also, that would please the stakeholder a lot of the time who would expect there to be a training solution that perhaps was immersive that had people feel then as if they were being invested in so you're kind of you're kind of challenging the the ingrained L&D approach and mm-hmm. the stakeholder expectation i mean how do you how do you address that yeah, that's a great question. And, and I would address that, David, by going back to the very first question mm. that I asked that business stakeholder. And that very first question was, what is the business goal? Mm. Right. So and by business goal, I mean, what is the business trying to achieve from you know a strategy perspective? Is it, is it growth? Is it quality? Mm. Um, is it time, greater market share? So if we are aligned to that, then we are focused less on what I like to call the kumbaya moments that we create, Mm. right? When we bring people together and then they just feel good because they had a learning experience. You know, now now certainly we want to invest in employees. Mm. That's important. I think that the greater opportunity is when we are investing in employees in a way that helps them achieve business goals, Mm. right? Which supports their performance in a way that helps them achieve business goals. So to your question, how do I bring it back to that? I bring it back to that by asking that first question, what is the business goal? Yeah. And then I follow that up with what is the context of this business goal? So I think that if we always bring it back to business goals, that aligns our training and our learning solutions with what's important or where the priorities are mm-hmm. in the business. So yes, you know, it is important to bring people together. Uh, well, when we when we could pre-COVID, <laughs> but uh, but I think the essence of what you're saying, David, is how do we strike the right balance between um, tangibly demonstrating that we are providing development opportunities? You know, how do we balance that with the idea of providing learning opportunities that are purposeful, deliberate, and intentional yeah. with supporting specific business goals? So it, it is a dance, right? It is a balance. But I think that if you always start the conversation with focusing on business goals and the context for the business goals, then I think that that's where you ultimately are able to, you know, get on the same page with where the priorities are for the business. Mm. Did, did that make sense? Yeah, it does. It does completely. Uh, and what I like about that as well is that when you come to uh, having the people you're seeking to influence experience your intervention, they're much more likely to recognise it. So again, if we if we if 
we played devil's advocate and um uh, and we thought that the most the most appropriate way for this wouldn't be to um uh, to take this down to a specific area by the time people get to the end of a two-day communication skills program they're likely to think there were some lovely ideas in there and do you know what it was really great to get away from work and to hear those ideas but if you're actually if you've drilled down that the issue is that your team aren't able to uh, communicate well enough to gain support for their ideas with a distinct team that they are reliant upon and then you focused your solution, your conversations and your resources around uh, bridging the gap between you and that team in order to gain that support, they'll recognize it. There's also a level of accountability. If all you're doing is talking with them about a really crucial element of their role and something and somewhere where there's a deficiency, you can see you're talking about their accountability and what they're going to do next, as opposed mm -hmm. to, as, as you said, you know, the kumbaya moment um, type intervention where you are just trying to get um, a high level agreement that everybody believes in these these theories. And if only they could apply these in the right way and transfer this mm -hmm. learning, despite us not really talking about their context, then that would work. But, but do you know what, Kevin, I think it, it you know, as well as, uh, uh, as not wanting to create those kumbaya moments, we've got to put away our guru status as well and realize that, that it's not about us standing at the front of a room and, 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 and sharing everything we know about a particular topic. You're again, you're spot on. Um, and, and you and I are, always aligned in our thinking, mm. David. And, and so, you know, when I go back to why I created this book, um, I, I think there is an opportunity that connects with everything that we're talking about here. Um, and, and I know that I'm probably sounding a little bit redundant, but I just think about intention, purpose, and specificity, mm. right? So I think that what the ebook does is show how to build training and learning solutions with intention, um, with purpose and specificity for activating performance and business goals. So yes, three days is great. Three days of training and learning with peers and colleagues is great. That's, that's nice. Mm -hmm. But how much more powerful is it if we spend a day narrowly focused use an example we just talked about, if we spend one day narrowly focused on those communication skills that the business has identified as being critical for achieving specific business goals. And so that's really what I focus on in the ebook. And, and how do you address the concern um, from perhaps our colleagues who uh, are more used to uh, developing uh, traditional training solutions? But our concern that if you start unpacking and getting down to levels of specificity, what if it's not training? You know, what, what's it, what else is in the kit bag, Kevin? What can we explore? <laughs> what, what can we expect, sorry, if, if we start getting specific and then it's, then it's realized all round that it's not a training issue? Yeah, because the point is, we don't want to talk ourselves out of a job. Mm, yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, that, that's the reality. And to, to borrow modern day vernacular, David, you know, let's just keep it real, right? We, we, we want to keep our jobs. Mm. Um, but, but here's the opportunity. Um, if it's not always training or learning, maybe it's something else. And by something else, maybe it's another way to activate performance. Mm. 
because because here's the thing for me, David. I, I think that um, my view is that we are, as a profession, my view is that we are perform- performance consultants first, mm-hmm. and then L and D practitioners second. Because everything that we do, I believe, is most powerful when it measurably impacts people's performance, mm-hmm. right? So to answer your question, then if it's not a training or it's not a learning, what is it? It may be some other way in which we can bolster performance. Um, because what we want to be able to do is support people in a way that helps them achieve business goals when they are using their performance to do so. Mm-hmm. So if it's, if it's not a traditional e-learning, um, if it's not a traditional classroom instructor-led, or these days if it's not a traditional virtual instructor-led, Maybe it's just some other way or some other solution that we are using uh, to support the business to help people perform in a way that's going to help them achieve business goals. So maybe that could be a guide, something as simple as a coaching guide, mm-hmm. or it may be something as simple as a video that is a good example of what it looks like when you are having meaningful conversations with employees. Uh, for example, if you're a manager, if you're having meaningful conversations that motivate and inspire them. Mm. Those are just some quick examples off the top of my head, David. But I think what we're saying here is that training is not the only solution. Uh, digital learning is not the only solution. Mm. There are other ways in which we can support people um, in their performance requirements to achieve business goals. Yeah. And, and we aren't talking ourselves out of a job when we do that. But the essence of what we're doing is offering up alternative ways to fulfill our purpose of supporting people's performance. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Kevin. And um, I think that uh, contrary to us uh, doing ourselves out of a job, I think that we will end up elevating our status within an organization if we're talking about the stuff that really needs to be addressed and then making a demonstrable difference to what is actually important, speaking the language of, uh, of, of our uh, stakeholders and then using their metrics as a, as a measure of success. But um, I'd love to, you go on to talk in your ebook about impact des- uh, design. Now design is a, is a, a cornerstone of, uh, of the learning and development toolkit, but you, you include uh, a section on performance outcomes versus learning objectives. Now there, <laughs> now there is a clear distinction that I don't think can be understated, but I think is easily morphed because sometimes in learning and development we have a a knack of taking a new practice or an emerging practice rebranding existing practice and say hey we already do that Uh, and so i wonder if you could you could be really clear with us about the difference between the two yeah so gosh this is a sensitive topic Mm. i believe in our profession uh, because there is a difference between a learning objective and a performance outcome as I identify there in the book, right? So the traditional learning objective is more often than not stated as you will learn, you will know, or you will understand. How many times have you seen mm, that, David? Yeah, too many. Too many, <laughs> too many. Too many. Um, but really the follow-up to that is how will you know that I know, mm-hmm. right? How will you know that I understand? And how will you know that I've learned? So rather than write learning objectives, I am a big fan of writing performance outcomes because performance outcomes are an expression of what knowing, learning, and understanding looks like. Mm. So for me, as an L&D detective, (laughs) what I'm looking for is the evidence of knowing, 
the evidence of learning and the evidence of understanding. And if I were to say it another way, David, I would say, how does that show up on the job? Yeah. Like real time, day to day, if people are executing and behaving in a way that shows that they understand, what does that look like? Mm. What are they doing? How are they acting? How are they behaving? And when you do that, what you are getting at is a performance outcome. So I think it's it's important to, to draw the distinction between a learning objective and a performance outcome because learning objectives aren't measurable, yeah. right? But performance outcomes are measurable because you can look for the evidence of whether or not people are behaving in a certain kind of way mm. or acting in a certain kind of way or performing in a certain kind of way because you can see it, right? That's why I'll go back to that question. How does it show up? What does it look like real time, day to day, on the job. So I, I believe that we can uh, we can move away from those learning objectives and use performance outcomes because those are measurable. And that's what we're looking for. And, and that's what the book is all about, right? Yeah. That's <laughs> How do you yeah. measure it? Yeah. And, yeah. and the, you know, you get the performance outcomes by doing the discovery that we've talked about so far. Now you get your learning objectives if what you're doing at the outset is taking the request and turning what was initially uh, through observation a, an actual performance um, requirement, translating that to a learning need, aggregating common learning needs and developing standardized solutions, which of course will make limited impact because what you're doing is you're distorting what is actually going on and then you're translating that into a set of products that we are renowned for. You know, you can see the distortion isn't helpful. What I think I'm, I'm hearing from you is that if we keep it in their world, then we'll have a greater chance of enhancing their performance, uh, certainly influencing their performance uh, and, uh, and enhancing their results. But we, we can't do that by expecting them only to play in our arena. We've got to step into theirs to understand theirs a bit. That's exactly it. Um, we have to dive deep mm. um, into the world of the organizations in which we work. Uh, we have to step outside of our L&D silo. Mm. Um, and, and the other thing that I think that drives a lot, um, David, is curiosity. Yeah, we got to be curious, and curiosity extends itself beyond our own world. Mm -hmm. I think that what I see, uh, just generally speaking, is that as a profession, we're we're doing an awesome job with the work that we do within our domain, mm -hmm. right? I mean, I think there are some brilliant instructional designers. There are are brilliant people who know about learning technology. Uh, there are brilliant people in our industry who are doing amazing things mm. with, with things like leadership development. But equally so, I think we have to be curious enough to step inside the organization um, within which we work to discover what really matters to the business. Yeah. Yeah. Um, moving on, uh, uh, Kevin, you have a section uh, within the ebook called Facts, Clues, Evidence and Data for Impact. The hard evidence, as I like to call it. Uh, and you break yeah. these into learning performance, employee performance and business performance. How do these differ and interlink? Great question. Um, so why don't I start with the first one? Mm -hmm. and, and then the, the context here is discovering facts, clues, evidence, and data mm. um, for the impact of training and learning is kind of like a popcorn trail. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and it's a chain of evidence. So what you've described are three links. Um, you know, again, that first link is learning performance. So 
and I want to be clear when, when I talk about learning performance, I'm, I'm talking about the kinds of facts, clues, evidence, and data that give insight into the effectiveness of our training and our learning solutions. Mm. And so one of the things that I'm looking at is the quick clue. The quick clue is data that we get back from a learning survey. Now, I got to be very careful here, David, Mm. because I don't want to give the impression that data from a learning survey tells the whole story because it does not. Mm. Right. And even in the book, I am using specific kinds of learning survey questions. These survey questions are not asking, did you like the instructor? Did you like the food? Did you like the facilities? And was the weather conducive to your learning experience? Mm. I'm I'm being a bit sarcastic (laughs) here, but you know, quite often learning surveys are asking gratuitous kinds of questions that that really don't help us. But in the book, I am asking uh, impact-based survey questions that give clues on the extent to which we can estimate that there will be a change in behavior, actions, and performance. Um, So that's one type of way in which we can measure learning performance. Another way in which we can measure learning performance is through things like business simulations that give us insight into how people might perform in the real world. So we get some good data from that, right? So those are examples of learning performance. And then when we talk about examples of people performance, That's data that gives us insight into how people are executing in their role, in their work, in a way that will hopefully uh, ultimately impact business goals. So we can get we can use things like customer satisfaction surveys because that shows what the experience is that people are having, you know, with people in our business, uh, as example. And we might even be able to get access to real time people performance data. Now, certainly there are. Uh, confidentiality um, considerations there when we talk about people performance data. But what you can do is aggregate that data and anonymize it so that you can't see someone's name, um, you know, specifically, but rather you can gain insight into, you know, what those performance metrics look look like, uh, you know, for a a cluster of people Mm -hmm. who have participated in a training or learning program. So that's an example of people performance data. And then the, the business performance data, which is actually the easiest data, because that's all that's just all about things like quality and, and sales, market position, errors. Um, um, I can't think of any so, others yeah, right service now. Level, but, service, uh, service level agreements, customer yeah, satisfaction. Yeah. 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 All of those are, are the easiest data to get mm. because the business is already reporting that. So that's the easiest data that's there. So what we're trying to do is connect the dots between learning performance, people performance, and business performance to determine if learning is actually activating people's performance in a way that helps them achieve business goals. Wonderful. Sorry I had that, that little uh, uh, blank there moment. <laughs> <laughs> happens to the best of us, Kevin. It's still early here. <laughs> uh, so clearly, Kevin, investigating impact can't be an afterthought, but must be planned and designed into L&D solutions. Now, If this all seems overwhelming and a bit too hard to get going with, how do you recommend the listener get started with this? So I I don't mean to be self-serving, but we are talking about the book, right? And so so in the book, there's a section that talks about designing for impact. Mm -hmm. Um, And it gives specific examples of how to use results from the impact opportunity interview 
to inform decisions for how to design for impact. Mm -hmm. And then in addition to that, David, there is uh, an accompaniment to the book um, in the impact templates. So what people uh, who are listening, who are designers are able to do is use the references and examples in the ebook for how to design for impact and then use the template to create your own training and learning solutions that are intentionally mm. uh, and purposely designed for impact as well. So I believe that I've made it a little easier um, and, and I've, I've tried to make it easier by providing examples, right? Because quite often, you know, we'll read a book and then it just tells you how to do it, mm. but it doesn't give you examples for how to do it. So I was very, um, I, I really wanted to make sure in the book that I provided examples of, of exactly what I'm talking about. So I believe that if you follow the guidance that's in the book for how to design uh, for impact, uh, you'll have a roadmap for how to create training and learning solutions that will activate performance and, and that will activate business goals. Wonderful. Um, thanks so much for that, Kevin. I mean, I wanted to invite you on to the podcast because having read the um... Uh, the book, I think it is an incredibly valuable resource and one that I don't think will be read once and put away, uh, but will be one that can be returned to uh, and continue to deliver um, uh, value, not least because of the uh, the resources that you've put in there, uh, the templates that will guide people to do more of the right stuff and just get going, just experiment, just to have a different type of conversation at the outset, uh, to consider what those performance outcomes would be, to uh, to elevate their status within uh, their own organization from one for who you know from for a professional who might provide learning experiences to one that is integral to uh, their organization and I think that this is a, this is a great start uh, if people wish to do that um, we will put the link Kevin to uh, to the book in the show notes and if people wish to follow your work and connect with you how best can they do so Oh my goodness, I'm all over the place, David. So <laughs> you can <laughs> you can certainly connect with me on LinkedIn. I engage with a lot of people there. So, you know, connect with me on LinkedIn. Uh, I am also on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. Uh, where are some? Instagram. Mm -hmm. um, and then certainly I would invite uh, anyone to uh, take a look at my website at kevinmeh.com. Have a little bit of information there that may help you as well. Fabulous. And we'll put the links to all of those in the show notes as well. But Kevin, thank you very much for sharing your expertise in, uh, in your book and publishing that and making that available for free. And also to being a guest again on the Learning and Development Podcast. David, it is always a pleasure to talk to you, my friend. Kevin is always so generous in sharing his expertise, which is grounded in his lived experience as well as sound theory, meaning it's based on what works and not on what he's selling. His latest ebook is a great consolidation of his thinking and his tools and is well worth the investment of your time. If you'd like to get in touch with me, perhaps to suggest topics you'd like to hear discussed, you can tweet me at David in Learning, connect on LinkedIn or Facebook, for which you'll find the links in the show notes. Goodbye for now.